0: Hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets, if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make the first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 years or older, restrictions apply. Anything better than a glass of beer is tea with Miss McGill. Hockey fans, feel the action on the ice like never before with DraftKings Sportsbook, the official sports betting partner of the NHL. Right now, new customers can bet just $1 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets, if they do. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, you can still hit the ice for cold, hard cash. New customers can make the first deposit and play free for thousands with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. Draft your lineup of eight skaters and a goalie and rack up points for goals, assists, saves, and more. DraftKings is safe, secure, and reliable. Best of all, you can deposit and withdraw your cash whenever you want. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code THPN. Bet just $1 on any NHL team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's code THPN at DraftKings Sportsbook. The official sports betting partner of the NHL. 21 years or older, restrictions apply. And welcome to the 4th Line Boys Podcast. My name is Darren. Thank you very much for tuning in. Episode 204 of the big show. Some enforcer based podcasting coming at you. Brought to you by the Hockey Podcast Network. How's everybody doing out there this Sunday? Easy like Sunday morning around here. Thank you for tuning in. How are you? Um, well, it could be Monday morning, depending on when you're listening. Well, it could be a number of days, I guess, when you're listening to this. But I'm thinking, you know, it's either Sunday morning or Monday morning on the commute. So if you're on the, however you get there, plane, train, boat, ferry, car, staring at your dashboard, considering uh, thinking back on all the decisions you made in your life to bring you to this traffic, slow-moving traffic. Well, you're here now. So I'll take you I'll take your mind off it for an hour or two. How's that? That's my promise to you, the listener. I have a very fun guest today, Uh, Andrew. I've known Andrew for a while. We've talked for a long time about him coming on the show. Um, (laughs) It's funny. I think I recorded this a few days ago, and I can't remember Like initially. I don't know if it was off the air that we talked about it or on the air, but I initially, way back when, when I had my own website, um, I think Andrew was either the first or second person I ever talked to and I talked to him for like two hours one day, and because it was going to be my big interview, oh, we're going to have you. And we, we talked about all the leaf stuff and stories and all that. And then nothing recorded. I got nothing. I had this machine. I didn't know how it worked, and all. Oh, I felt so. I felt like such a tool. Yeah, I wasted this guy's all this time. And I was embarrassed. I like you know, I got, not that I avoided him, but it's like I really didn't talk to him for like a long time after because I felt like such a schmuck. Um, but, uh, no, we've often gone back and forth about having them come on again. And, and I said, well, this time I, I kind I don't want to say I know what I'm doing. I kind of know what I'm doing, but I managed to record <laughs> it all recorded this time. So, um, Andrew is a long suffering leaf fan out in Toronto and, uh, and he has an interesting take on it, but he's also a fight fan and, uh, kind of what we talked about were his sort of his five. Um, most painful leaf fights in his history, and uh, we talk about those. and And I, I just enjoy talking to him. It, it. Yeah, it certainly won't be the last time you're hearing his voice. I will definitely have him on again. Actually, I wanted to get him on as be a part of the the 200th episode, but just time didn't work out and the restrictions and stuff like getting people on and blah blah blah. But so and like I said earlier with that. All the guys that got a hold of me about being on that show, I want to get on the podcast. I'm going to get all those guys on. Well, Andrew was the first one uh, to, that I got back, that I got on, that I missed. So, um, yeah, it was lots of fun, and uh, yeah, good guy. But uh, so I'm going to take up too much of your time here in my intro because Andrew. I don't know how long we go for. I haven't edited. I'm. It's like Saturday night. I haven't edited. I don't edit shit, but I just—I haven't done the intro. I'm, well, obviously, I'm doing the intro right now. Um, the intro for the episode—I recorded obviously the interview episode like when was that, Monday or Tuesday? But <clears throat> yeah, so anyway, um, I won't take up too much of your time because, like I said, I think we go for an hour and a little bit. Um, but uh, as a member of the hockey podcast network, there's over 50 shows in the network. All the NHL teams are represented, so whatever team you're a fan of. There is a show for you. Of course, the playoffs ramped up now and ready to rock and roll. Uh, you know, going into that, though, well, I guess there'll be some shows that'll be over, or I don't know, I guess they'll talk about off season stuff. And, uh, other shows are, uh, uh, amped up and ready to go. I got a funny story for you guys, though. You guys won't believe it. The long term listeners out there, because everybody knows, um, and it's, and I believe me when I say it, because it's true. I have not watched hockey and probably, um, at least a decade more than that probably getting close to 15 years um so really i mean if it's on in a room or something like if i go to my parents house or a friend's house i don't run out of the room screaming i sit there i'll watch it with them or whatever but it's not on in my house i don't actively seek it out i don't watch hockey so i don't know who a lot of these players are i don't pay any attention and i just see guys come across my twitter feed or my social media okay I mean obviously I know who Mcdavid and these guys are but you know what I'm saying I couldn't tell you who the third line winger in Vancouver is <coughs> anyway um every year my dad he, my dad knows a couple guys and they always do this big uh hockey draft and uh and it's one of those like five guys in each box and you gotta take a guy from each box and there's 20 boxes it's one of those and it's 20 bucks and it's like a fundraiser deal and you know, they keep half the money and the other half goes to whatever. Okay, the horseshoe hockey draft. We've been doing it for years. And so my dad, every because back in the day, like when I was a little kid, we used to do the drafts at his work and all that. Back in the old hockey draft days when everybody, you know, you one through 15, you know, each we each pick a guy and then, you know, blah, blah, blah. Did those for years. Well, so back then when I was 10, 11, 12 years old, I could tell you every guy in every roster. Now, no. So anyway... Dad gets these sheets, and he's going to help Dale out. Like I said, it's a fundraiser deal or whatever. So he hands me a sheet, and he's like, yeah, pick, pick fill out one of these for Dale. And I'm just like, I don't know who these guys are, so whatever. So I come home here, and like I said, it's pick one guy in each box. And there's five guys per box. Well, of course, the one box, you know. You'll take Ovechkin, and you'll take McDavid, and you take Crosby, just like the other million people that are in this draft did, right? But it's when you get down to, like, the next ten boxes where it's like – who, you know, like, I don't know who any of these guys are. So I went on some website, some fantasy hockey website that had like projected scoring totals for each guy. So I just typed in the names of the five guys in the box and whoever they projected to be the most I was like, all right, him. I just did that. And then I got to the one box and the only guy that I knew in the box was Tom Wilson. I'm like, well, I'll pick Tom Wilson because I know him and I, I like him. So that, that'll just be funny. Well, Tom Wilson had a hell of a year, and I and I'm pretty sure uh, he led. Well, I know, I'm not pretty sure. I know he led the the box that he was in in scoring. Well, I found out today there was 203 people in this draft, and it was all online. I did. I just gave my dad the sheet, and yeah, here you go, and whatever. Guess who won the horseshoe hockey draft out of 203 people? That's right, folks. Here we are. Yeah, so I'm for all your hockey pool needs. You let me know, I'll hook you up. Yeah, so I'm not. I don't know. So I went and looked. Well, yeah, out of 203 people, I was the only one that took Tom Wilson. So there you go. And I think he had like 18 more points in the, than the second guy in the in that box. So and I won by 15 points. So it was like, yeah, Tom Wilson basically won me the hockey draft. Because like I said, I think everybody else would have had. You know, Ovechkin and, well, obviously, and whoever the kid is in Minnesota, Krilla or whatever, whatever his name is, I don't, I'm not even going to pronounce it, Uh I had him too, but I'm sure everyone else did, but anyway, it just struck me funny that I actually, because I get they my parents, friends and my dad would be like, oh yeah, D- Darren's winning the pool right now, oh yeah, and I'm like, oh, okay, well, just because a bunch of guys are hurt or something or whatever. But yeah, I pretty much let Actually, it's it funny. I think I pretty much led wire to wire almost. And uh, yeah, so I I have to thank old Tom Wilson for bringing me home the victory. I don't know how much money I get. I I it should be around a grand. I think though, so that's pretty cool. Pay for my, I got to buy a lawnmower and garden shit. So there you go. At least I want some money for the for the garden for the garden. <laughs> Whatever. Hey, be, hey, you, you buy shit without using your own money? Why not? Right. But so. Where they always say money won is sweeter than money earned. So, uh, no, that was, that was pretty funny this, uh, today, tonight when I found out that I won the horseshoe hockey draft, picking guys I have no, I I can't even pronounce their names, some of the guys I picked. So there you go, folks, proving ignorance. It truly is bliss. But, uh, but thank you, Tom Wilson. Once again, thank you, Tom Wilson, for bringing, for bringing home the gold for me. But, um, anyway, what was I, Where's my intro going? Oh, we talked about oh for my off network friends. Yeah, everybody wants to hear about my hockey pool. Want to hear about my NCAA bracket next? Uh, Of course, Olin Salen over there five for fighting podcast that mud show. Oh yeah, wow! Talk about slumming. He has John on. I can't. Well, I can't say too much. I've had John on twice. So what does that say about me? But John, the old commish from the hockey, the old hockey fight league. Good dude. Uh, yeah, he was on with Alec, and actually, it's a fun episode, uh, they go back, it's basically just the East Coast Hockey League, uh, in review, and they just talk about some of the different, uh, fighters out there, and, uh, and John, of course, knows a bunch of them from the WHL and really follows it, so, no, it was a really cool breakdown, and Alec and him do a good job, and definitely check that out, like I said, uh, Alec, 5 for Fighting Podcast, also, 5 for Fighting on YouTube. Check out his YouTube channel. He's always uploading East Coast League fights from this year and last year. So subscribe to his channel. That would help him out. I know it's not a big deal for you're on there just looking anyway. Just hit the subscribe thing. Boom. Done. That's all you got to do. He'll help him out huge. So if you could do that, that would be tremendous. Also, Kimberly Lazito. Broadway. Well, Carnegie Hall. Ooh, 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 ooh. Joe Lazito. He's not a bro. He's not at MSG. If you're down at MSG, Yelling into the ticket window, "Where's Lazudo?" He's not there anymore. He is at Carnegie. He's moved on, folks. Carnegie Hall, the big wigs. That's Joe. I don't know what's gotten into Joe. All of a sudden, he's like, you don't hear anything from him now. All of a sudden, he's throwing out episodes left and right. He's got another one coming out, I believe, tomorrow, and then or on Monday. I mean, he had one come out. Oh, he had to vote for his uh, his man cave. Yeah, it was the Islanders' biggest fan or whatever. And I think I, we had to vote. I remember Joe was trying to—he didn't he try to buy votes. Didn't work though. But uh, I tried, Joe. I voted for you. But uh, Coliseum Chronicles is Joe's podcast. It's a New York Islander-based pod or enforcer-based podcast. Tremendous back catalog. Fakota, Ewan, Strudwig, Asham, on and on. Joe does a tremendous job. And like I said, diehard Islander fan. And he's always putting pictures he just moved into the house. He's got he's setting up his collection in the basement. Oh, it's game use gears. He's got shoulder pads and sticks and gloves and helmets. Like I say, it the smell it permeates through your phone as you're scrolling. Yeah. I had to get those alcohol wipes, I had to wipe the phone off after. Oh yeah. Yeah. I had, it was uh yeah, I think I had Tommy Sallow's uh Sweat off uh, on my phone after scrolling those pictures, but yeah (laughs) Game Worn gear Actually, Joe's got a really cool setup down there. He's got some cool shit. I was really dig it If I'm ever in New York, I'm telling you I'm crashing up. I'm crashing at lazitos Yeah, Joe's look at Joe's just listening to this going really who who said this when is this happening? No, don't worry Joe. I'll give you the heads up. I'll let you know at least 10 15 minutes in advance Yeah We'll get some tickets there at the balcony at the Carnegie Hall. You know, I don't know who we'll, we we'll go see. Cats, Rent. What what's hap- What happens at Carnegie Hall? It seems opera-ish. It sounds very opera-ish to me. I don't know, Pavarotti. Pavarotti, yeah, something like that. Joe's your hookup for it, though. Joe's for all for. Joe's the guy for those that enjoy all the meats of the cultural stew. There you go. I'm just going to leave it at that. Joe Lizito. Give it a Lizito. All right, folks. Uh, I don't know even what I'm saying anymore. I'm, I'm just giddy tonight. I had I had a bunch of beers with the old man and my brother. Saw the nieces. They were over. Had some pizza. Won a hockey draft. It was a good freaking day for Jaren. I'm telling you. But it's late. It's like 1137 right now. So I'm going to shut up and get into this. All right, folks. Here's my guest, Andrew. A long-suffering Leaf fan. Bear with him. Uh, but no, he's a good guy. We talk a lot of fights and stuff and, uh, all it's always fun. And I definitely am glad he finally got on. And, uh, like I said, it won't be the last time, but, uh, thank you guys for tuning in. I hope everybody has a great rest of their, well, the re- the end of their weekend, but enjoys their Sunday. And, uh, if you're, if it's Monday that you're listening to this, let's attack the week. Here we go. Game face folks. And I'll, uh, I'll talk to you guys on Wednesday. Thanks everybody. All right here on the fourth line voice. Uh, my guest today long time coming here. I I've, I've uh, I finally got him on the on the line. Andrew, how you doing tonight? Good my friend. How are you? Very good. Very good. Good to talk to you. Yes, yeah, again. Hopefully I I actually know how to record this properly this time. Yeah, so,
1: man. We had a good chat 2 2 3 years ago <laughs> yeah. and uh, it's in uh, the heaven somewhere
0: it was yeah it's out in the ether it was a tremendous interview and uh you told you told some great stories for me no one else just for me but it was uh yes i've gotten i've gotten i'm not much better at this tech stuff not much better but i'm a little better so
1: 200 episodes you better be better
0: yeah i was gonna say yeah i should i hopefully i learned something after 200 episodes yeah that's right but um well, yeah, and again, with the whole anniversary thing, and I wanted to get all these people in, Andrew is, one, of course, one of the guys I wanted to get on and ran out of time and whatever, but I made the vow that I'm... Well, I was going to get you on anyway, but I was like, I made the vow that I want to get all the guys that wanted to get on the anniversary show to record. So here we are, and, and I know right. with a number of different topics that we were, we've we uh, talked with different guys here and your topic... As a long-standing, uh, miserable Leaf fan. Um, what, what, what are we looking at here? What are we going to do tonight?
1: Uh-huh. Miserable, uh, remember I told you earlier, tormented, scarred, yeah. tortured, abused, and most of all, dead inside. That's my uh, introdu- in- description of me being a Leaf fan.
0: But, I mean, this year, though, are you, getting the, are you setting up the parade route right, though? Um, Is this the year?
1: Here's the thing. Let me just give give you a bit of a backstory. Right. I've been a Leaf fan since I moved to Canada in seventy six. I've had a lot of heartbreak. Mm-hmm. The the highlight of my heartbreak was probably ninety three when Carrie Fraser robbed us. A um, couple semifinal losses in in two thousand and in, uh, in under Pat Quinn. And I then the 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 ones with um against the Bruins uh, you know, several years ago, all our first round bl- uh, where we've blown it, and I, I just don't have it in me anymore. I just, I just, uh, the passion's gone. So after last year, I'm just hoping. I think they deserve, a, a, you know, a, some success in this playoffs. I'm tired of everybody, you know, mocking them, saying, you know, who cares if Matthews has 60 goals. You know they're going to get blown out in the playoffs, or they can't win a round. I really, for, the, for for me right now, I want to see them be successful for them. I don't give a shit about me anymore. I'm done. If That ship sailed. If they win the cup now, I'll be so happy, but not like I would have been years ago. But they deserve a, a to win a, a playoff series. If they lose the first game of the playoffs this year, I, I can't even go near social media. <laughs>
0: yeah you're wow yeah there there are some uh i've often said and i know a lot of people all oh, leaf fans are insufferable on social media and i'm like well they are but i'm like eh. i've been on twitter long enough to know that every fan base is insufferable i basically hate sports fans in general at this point i'm like me to me you're all a bunch of fucking idiots but you know <laughs> like the die hard ones I'm like talking, like the ones that will go team if they lose, ah, you know whatever life goes on. Yeah, not those people. I'm just talking about the people that are, you know who I'm talking about, right? Like Yeah, you know, I know. Yeah, the Stevie Dangles and those types of people. Uh it's
1: just you, the the media writes their own narrative so it doesn't matter. Like yeah. last year in the first in the first round when we were in overtime in game 6, I think um, Wayne Simmons missed I can't remember exactly. I think it bounced off his leg. It just missed going into the net. If that would have went in, we would have won the series. Our our GM would have been being praised for bringing in toughness like Simmons. And, you know, and we lose. That goal doesn't go in. And the narrative is uh, we pay too much for these kids. They're fucking useless. We don't know how to pick up players in the offseason. So one bounce, the whole narrative could change I'm tired of the media just creating their own story. At the end of the day, we haven't won a fucking playoff series in years. So I don't have to, you know, I have no say. It is what it is.
0: Well, so, so you said you came over in the late 70s. Um, yeah, man. So you, you, well, so you saw Tiger and the boys and Salming and all them. And, That's
1: it. That was yeah. my first team. The, yeah. the, the When Lenny McDonald scored an overtime in 78, that was like the first time I experienced success with the Leafs and then I mean I was just obsessed with them man I'd cry as a kid after they lose went to all the games in the 80s fucking argued with the opposition in the in Maple Leaf Gardens after games fucking Brian Sutter chased me outside the gardens one night because I said his Rich and Ron were fags or something like that just to get him pissed off at me like I was just crazy and bleed blue and white but I just don't have it in me anymore man <laughs> I, I don't even want to watch I don't even think I'll be able to watch it to be honest I just want success for them I don't I don't give a shit about me anymore I'm dead inside
0: <laughs> I love the issues
1: man I don't have it in me
0: well we're going to talk about some old times then so, yeah you know, man well, talk, well i got to ask though before we get into these the fights here and stuff um, what did you think because i got to talk about our hometown boy here what did you think when Wendell showed up into town?
1: Wendell Clark was my hero. Um, in 85, I, I went to the pre, the preseason game against Edmonton. Uh, McSorty was chasing them all game. It was when he got into it with McTavish, and he bounced him around. And from that day on, man, I was hooked. I was probably um, 17 at the time, and i we would go out on Saturday nights, and I would fucking have like three d c r s ready to go just so I didn't miss any fight. I was obsessed with them and we'll get into that with my uh fight descriptions here, but uh fuck man, those first two years they were just crazy, man. He just dominated, but uh he's my all time sports hero,
0: yeah man. always
1: has always.
0: Yeah, he's tremendous. And I think, um, why, I think obviously the list, a lot of these people that listen to this podcast are obviously older fans. So they're nodding their head as we're talking here, but I think it, it sort of gets and well, before we got going, uh, folks, before we got going, Andrew and I were ranting and raving about the, the youths of today and, uh, <laughs> with our, in our grumpy yes. old men, we were yelling at clouds for the last hour, but, um, yes. I think and we we're just we we're basically bitching about social media and how these hockey Twitter and how these Gen Zers are idiots and don't know what they're talking about. I think it is completely well it is, not I think, it is. It is it's completely lost on them what Wendell Clark meant to the team and what he brought when he yeah. showed up as a rookie. They have no idea. I couldn't
1: imagine what they'd say about him now. They'd be bitching about him because he tries to get the first punch in because he hits. He would hit guys when he, they were down. Or they would like, you know what? If you're a fight fan, like both of us are, these people that want Tom Wilson out of the game, I can't even fathom that. You know what I mean? Yeah. If you're a fight yes. fan, you know he's one of the toughest guys in the league, best hitter, good hockey player. You know, and these guys want him out of the game.
0: Yeah. fuck off. Why well, I laugh because they, like they think he they well I laugh at these new generation of kids like they look at him and Reeves and Lucic and these guys and oh they're mean. I'm like you think <laughs> they're mean. That's that's Tuesday back in the 80s man like that's mean. Like Wendell Clark would give you nightmares if you had watched him play like.
1: I watch old Leaf games like on um, Leaf TV, like the classic games, and you see, like, guys come over the blue line and just get demolished. Oh, yeah. And they just get up and skate away. It wasn't even a thing back then to, so, like, oh, you have to get revenge on the guy or, you know, you have to go on Twitter now and say the guy doesn't belong in the game and, you know, it's it's close to murder. Like, It just I, it drives me crazy, man. I, I can't take it. That's why I'm insane.
0: <laughs> well, I, yeah, well, believe me. That's what I was telling you, right? I, I say it, I'll sometimes I'll sit down here and it's like, oh, I don't know what I'm going to talk about for tonight's episode. Oh, I, like I said, I scroll Twitter for five minutes. I'm, I'm revved up and ready to go now. Now I'm just ready. I can yell about ten things now. People just well, the, get...
1: My biggest frustration these days is Pat Maroon. Listen, okay, you can't argue with him. He won three cups in a row. Yep. There's guys like Jeremy Roenick that have never won a cup. You know what I mean? I get that. Pat Maroon's won three cups. Okay, he scored an overtime goal for St. Louis in the in, in the finals. So I'm not going to downplay his role, what he meant to his teams. But, I mean, enough's enough, man. This guy, he he sits there chirping every team because he's won three cups. There's You can't – there's no comeback for him, right? How do you have a comeback for him? All he's going to say is, you have, you know, I've won three cups in a row. But his fighting ability is the fucking joke. That guy thinks
0: he's tough. Oh, my God. Watching his fights? It's a disgrace. Like I said to Alec, I said, well, what happened to him? Like I said, you go back about four or five years, it was actually he was engaged. Yeah. and he would throw punches. and But now it's just like... Um, I'll just tie up and seatbelt the guy because he's obviously big and strong enough that he can just seatbelt people and then just sit and laugh at him and it's just like, yeah, well that was like my that was last week's episode. That's what I said. They've turned fighting into a joke. It's funny. These kids come on Twitter
1: and rip and 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 blow smoke up his ass because he fights Chara. He fights Chara. He doesn't fight with Chara. He, He he ties rope around himself to Chara and just fucking turns his head away. Yeah. i ain't fighting him. Fighting him's looking him in the eye and throwing punches, letting go of his arms so Chara can throw back. Yeah. Anyway, I don't know. He bugs the fuck out of me,
0: well, but start- you can't argue with him. Well, he's starting to bug me too. I went in a rant about him already. Hell, I got. I, but I got. I got Steve McIntyre mad at me for. <laughs> yeah, well <laughs> I, Steve- I had to. I had to be careful there. But uh, no, yeah. Steve and I are. I would be up. too. We, we talked about it privately. We're okay. But uh, uh, he misunderstood yeah. where I was coming from. But uh, yeah, it was just like. But yeah, they just turned it into a like they've turned. I said they've met, even in twenty twenty two they've managed to turn fighting into a joke now. So I don't know. Everything's oh, yeah. funny now and whatever. And, all right.
1: Well, and they'll they'll do their best to remove
0: fighting from
1: history. They'll somehow have fucking these guys' names removed off family caps because they fought. You know,
0: you know the power they have, right? Yeah, it's coming. I mean, you know, they're getting yeah. rid of it in junior here slowly. So, uh, you know, but anyway, now that we've got everybody down in the dumps and ready to stick their head in the hands, <laughs> let's uh, we, we we'll go back to a simpler. Although, well, now we're gonna we're gonna go to, <laughs> to what is it? The five five leaf fights that like crushed your spirit. We're really just just killing you tonight here.
1: Yeah, no, I've had um, someone asked me one day the name. The top five leaf fights I can't watch, and I actually really enjoyed putting it together. And this goes back, you know, like freaking to the early '80s. So um, I uh, put my put some thought into it, and uh,
0: you did. I came did. up with my top five list. It's a good list. Um, yeah, uh, yeah. I went back, and uh, uh, a couple of these fights, uh, I, as soon as I, re- I read your list, I remembered them vividly. Uh, Clark Probert I had to figure out which one of, well, I'm here I'm killing your list but right off the start, but I had to figure out which fight you were talking about and then uh Yeah, well and then one of these um I laughed because it's actually on my YouTube channel and I completely forgot ever watching that fight. I'm like, all right. But uh anyway, I, I got a bunch of other stuff I'm gonna ask you, but let's let's get into this list of fights here. All right. So let so they're they're all on my top five are, are not all for the
1: same reason, like my favorite leaf getting pummeled. Uh, there's a reasoning behind all of them. But my number five, I'm going to start with number five. Uh, Bob McGill versus Louis DeBrusque, March 27, 1993. Saturday night, Hockey Night in Canada, in Edmonton. Um, McGill was one of my favorite Leafs. Say, hey, listen, he wasn't the most skilled player, but he was one of those guys I love. Always there for his teammates, you know. Yep. And he lost his share of fights when he first came in the league. He was a kid. But on this night, man, he fought Debrusque and it it was over pretty quick as Harry Neal sums up the fights as he made Debrusque made short work in McGill. But I think what was upsetting for me about it is watching him skating off to his bench. Like he was such a proud player. And like it's so hard to watch because He's trying to skate back to his bench on his own, and he broke his jaw. But his his steps were like he couldn't. He, his legs were done, right?
0: Yeah.
1: But um, man, the Debrusk I think Mc, DeBrusque hit him like three times, but uh, he fucking belted him. But what's funny about it is somehow McGill manages to cut DeBrusque with the first punch of the fight.
0: Yep. Well, yeah. I don't know what you think. Well, that, yeah, well, this is the fight I was talking about. This is actually on my YouTube channel. And I yeah. f- completely forgot about even uploading this fight. But when I went back and watched it, I'm like, Hockey Night in Canada. Yeah, like you said, in 93, I can guarantee we were, we were watching that live when that happened. Um, and, uh, yeah, man, that's it. I, I, like you, like you, I'm a big fan. Oh, I like both the guys, but I was a big fan of Bob McGill's. Um, I said he's one of those guys, like him and like, Todd Gill, Bob Rouse. Guys like that aren't around anymore. Like, just those sandpaper D-men. They're not going to put up any point, you know, glassing out. But if you want to, like, they'll clear out the front of the net, if you're going to play fuck around, they'll, you know. If shit's going south, they're in there. You know, they can fight. They're the undercover kind of tough guys. Like, they'll fight anybody, and, you know, and they can surprise people, and it's like.
1: Sure, he he did surprise people. Like, when he moved to Chicago after the Leafs, he his fighting ability improved a lot. Like he beat the shit out of Cordic one night uh, in Toronto, playing for the Hawks, and you know, I was pissed off watching it. But yeah, you know when he these fights with Probert, he never backed down
0: from Probert ever. Nope. nope. the thing the other thing that kind of hurt with the, just in that point with the with that fight with DeBrusque and McGill is the weekend prior to that is fucking DeBrusque beat the shit out of Bear House. <laughs> Oh, yeah. On Hockey,
1: oh, yes. on hockey Night that.
0: in Canada in Toronto. So he dummies Barahowski, which, I mean, isn't out of the realm. I mean, Barahowski couldn't fight. And Debrusque was like a heavyweight. And it's like, but, and he kind of hangs in with him, but then he kind of at the end, he gets, gets pummeled at the end. And then, of course, seven days later, here we are, at the rematch. and you Owen know, McGill's going to stick up for his guy. And then he ends up getting his jaw broken. It's like, holy shit, Louis Debrusque is running uh, through, running through the know, defense
1: core of the Leafs here. A lot of guys wouldn't have got up off the ice. No, and, and him, watching him skate off, it's just like, you know, man, he's like the, the the you could just see the Leaf players deflated. Yeah. And the worst thing is, two minutes later, fucking Rob Pearson takes on Shane Corson, and Corson beats the living fuck out of him within two minutes of the first fight. And uh, even the announcer says after the court, the Pearson fight, he goes, well, the Leafs are down 2 nothing in fights, but are up one nothing in the game or something like that. And it's just like, all right, enough. Yeah. I mean, Corson rocked Pearson. Oh my God. Yeah, you just, but,
0: the, the air coming out of the balloon. Yeah. Uh,
1: I just felt so bad for Miguel, man. When I used to go to the games in the mid-80s, uh, one of my favorite things to do was watch him in the pregame warm-up because he had this he had all these whistles whistling sounds and he ran the the pregame warm up never said a word but he had all these different types of whistles so one whistle uh and all of a sudden the fucking players start you know skating counterclockwise and then he would whistle again and they all start you know doing two on ones it was just hilarious watching it i i'd, I'd love to know how it
0: originated but
1: I mean, he was so
0: popular on the Leafs, man. Yeah. The, uh... Oh yes, what a time! What a time! <laughs> All right. Well, okay. We got Gillen DeBrusque, number five.
1: All right. So number four, this is Jim Corn versus Bob Nystrom, March third, nineteen eighty-four. So, just for a little history here, Jim Corn came over the Leafs from Detroit. Near the eighty, near the end of the eighty-one, eighty-two season, and I don't know how long he'd been with the Leafs at the time, but he, he fought Wally Weir in the penalty box in March nineteen eighty-two, and ah, uh, fuck, man, I was just—it was one of those moments for me where. Like, you know, you're right into the game, and you just and they're standing in the penalty box staring at each other. And, uh, you know, I'm just, like, sitting there in my fucking living room going, come on, fucking go, let it, go at it. And I, I never thought they would go in the penalty box. And Corn uh, got on top, and they started just fucking throwing them with rights. And, man, I was love at first sight for me, man. He's the first Leaf shirt I bought. <clears throat> Uh, with a name on the back, a Jim Corn shirt, so... That was you! But anyway... (laughs) What's that? That was you? (laughs) Yes. So, the funny thing is, two years later, March 84, he fights Bob Nystrom. And the start of the fight, Mm -hmm. he actually lands like two or three good rights. Yes, he does. And and then for some fucking reason, he just forgets how to fight. (laughs) Yeah. And... And Nystrom just starts uppercut, fucking uppercut after uppercut after uppercut. And he it was like all of a sudden you're looking at like this child. And he's like six foot five. And Nystrom can't be any six one maybe. And it was like it was humiliating. I was in tears. I I, I'm sure I was watching it. But I remember this was, like, one of Don Cherry's first Talking like in Canada broadcasts. This was even before the coach's corner came. And he was, like, screaming to the refs, break it up, break, you got to break this up, this kid can't. And I was thinking, like, you, you would have thought Nystrom was stabbing him with a knife. Cherry was going crazy, man. But
0: yeah, that, it, it was, I, uh... This is a fight. I mean, I know the fight and I remember it, but then to revisit, like, you know, it's not like I watch this fight weekly or anything. It's been a long time since I've seen it until today where I was doing the research for it. I go back, and like you said, yeah, right at the start, Korn kind of, like, Nystrom gets hit and kind of rocks back for a second, and it's like, oh, here we go. Yeah. And then after that, it's like, and I think Nystrom came back, and he must have hit him with a good one. Because it seems like right then, Corn just stopped even attempting. He just yeah, and, and now I'm, now he's just holding on. And I was actually really surprised. Well, of course, again, it's the early '80s, right? So that's like the linesmen let it go as long as they did. I mean, they would have been in there like in a heartbeat nowadays. But I mean, yeah, because Nyström's just picking them off. Um, I mean, a lot of shots Nyström's attempting to throw aren't really. They're not land. All of them aren't landing. It looks really bad, though. He certainly does. He
1: does look bad. It's
0: certainly he's certainly, as they say, busy. Um, I, I think a lot of stuff's not landing, but a lot of stuff does land, and yeah, corn. And like you I, said, for the size it, difference and stuff, just the visual of it is not good.
1: I, I actually watched the New York feed today. I hadn't mm. seen that. That's the one I watched. Two yeah. quotes. Bob Nyström beat a tattoo on Corn's face. Um, he's big and he's strong, but he does not know how to fight on skates. Now, the funny thing is, uh, this was in March 1984. Korn already had three seasons of 200-plus penalty minutes. And you know and I know 200-plus penalty minutes. Those aren't tripping minors.
0: Not back then, they So, were, yep.
1: surely, that's about, you know, 20... Twenty fifteen fights a season, twenty fights a season, and if you watch this Nyström fight, you would think he never had a fight in his life. But yeah, which, I probably
0: like I said, I think I probably
1: what... took my corn shirt to bed that night and cried.
0: I was going to say that but was the I, end, that was the end of the corn jersey. I can tell you that. Oh, no, it
1: was a <laughs> it was a tough watch. And the thing is, corn left the Leafs a couple of years later. And he was such a dirty prick on the Devils. I just remember him coming to Maple Leaf Gardens one night, the night Cordick fought Troy Crowder. And uh, he was just such a gutless fighter. So now it's it wasn't as hard to watch now, but back then, man, I was fucking devastated, man. Fuck. But it's a worth a watch. Anyone listening tonight, watch that fight, because yep. you just, like, like you said, to the first two punches, I, it was like, Nystrom was like, oh, my God,
0: this is going to be a hard one. Yeah. But, and, and then he takes over. Yeah. yeah.
1: So my number three is Wendell Clark versus Harold Sneps, March first, 1986. Now, to explain myself, this isn't like the first two where one of my favorite players gets beat up. But what Harold Snaps was just one of those guys, man. Like he had a face only a mother would love. You know what I mean? And there's a couple of guys on each team where you just want your tough guy to just beat the tar out of. And there was something about Snaps and Lee Norwood on Detroit that Wendell just he could just never like he fought Lee Norwood twice on the blue when he was on the Blues and he just couldn't get going. Norwood would hold, like, just tie him down. But this night, when him and Sneps went to go at it, I thought just Wendell was just going to fucking, like, beat the crap out of him. And Sneps actually knocks Wendell the one knee at the beginning of the fight, and Wendell comes back. But um, the linesmen come in and try to break up the fight, and Sneps catches Wendell in the face while the linesmen... Has a hold of them, and anyone who knows Wendell, anyone who's watched a you know a catalog of Wendell Clark fights, once a fight's over, he's as calm as anything, and he just skates to the box. But he was fucking raging after that fight, and it's a, quite a funny scene if you watch the video of it because uh, Snaps is laughing at Wendell after, and it's just making Wendell more crazy. And actually, when he skates towards the box. He yells "fuck off" to Snaps. It was pretty funny, but just that porno mustache, his fucking hair—I just fucking couldn't stand him, man. It made me so mad watching it.
0: Well, it's and it was so funny when you sent me that list and I read that on there. I started laughing because I—that was the one I knew that fight inside and out. That was on one of the original fight tapes way back in the mm-hmm. VHS days that I got. And, uh, and I had to be like 11 or 12 years old. So I didn't really know who Harold Snaps was. And, uh, like I had heard the name, but I, it's just, you know, whatever. I hear the name. I didn't really pay much attention, but of course he's fighting our guy, right? Wendell. And I remember watching that same thing and he's got, and that Harold Snaps, he looks like, uh, what's like that old cartoon, like that Dick Dastardly from like the cartoons (laughs) and, uh, just with the must, yeah, like you said, the must, and he's chirping Clark, and you oh. and you and, you're, and I, you're, I'm just screaming at the TV, and you want Wendell to get a free arm and just catch I him know, on, you know, and and I, oh, it's like I hated Snap, but he, again, Snap's is one of those old timey, you know, yeah. sandpaper D guys, right? Yeah. And it's just like it got like what we were talking about, like with the Rouse and the guilt, like he was one of those guys, right? But it was just at that moment. It was like, oh, you son of a bitch. I wanted Wendell to kill him. And it was just. He like... got
1: the best of Wendell that night. And I don't mean like in, as far as the fight. He got the best of him emotionally. And Wendell was just fuming. The funny thing is, though, that, that the, 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 the one highlight of it for me is when Wendell's skating, when Snaps is skating towards the penalty box, Russ Cortnell skates by Snaps and says something that triggers him. Because it totally takes Snap's attention away from what happened. And he turns around and he starts wagging his finger at Cortnall, like to say, I'm going to fucking kill you. And I'd love to know what Courtnell said. It's pretty funny. It's yeah. right at the end of the clip. Yeah. You really yeah. should watch it. It yeah. just cracks
0: me up, man. No, I know exactly what you're talking about. And it was just like, yeah, it was like, oh, yeah. But it was one of those, because the fight really wasn't anything, but it was just, it was one no. of those you just wanted Wendell to get him. And it was just, it was the classic, if it was like a movie, it was the classic good guy, bad guy. And it was like, yeah.
1: It's a Saturday night, you know, and back in the, you know, the Chuck Norris division in the mid-80s. I mean, there was like fucking ten fights a game, right? You know, it was always like against, you know, kosher fighting Gil, kosher fighting this guy, you know, Brad Smith or fucking, you know, it was, Just everyone fighting, you know, Wendell fucking whatever, but, oh, man, where you just want to, you know, you know, when you used to watch like a guy like Barnaby and yapping and you say, oh, fuck, I just want to see somebody fucking drill Barnaby, you know what I mean? It was one of them, but. You know, good on Harold
0: Snaps. He got the best of me that night anyway. I've never <laughs> yeah. forgot it. Oh, yeah. He got, he, so. got, he got 12-year-old me wound up, too. I'll tell you yeah, right. I was yeah. so wound up. Man. And it's so funny. Like, if anybody mentions Harold Snaps, or if I'm going through old hockey cards and I come across Harold Snaps, that is the first thing, image that comes to my head, is that fight with Wendell Clark. Yeah. I yeah. think I played for 100 years, but in my mind, it's the Wendell Clark fight. Y'all always remember him for that. Yeah. I would love to see Clark and Sneps watch that together. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. Absolutely.
1: You know, it, it reminded me of like Garth Butcher was another guy that just his look when he yep. was on the Canucks. Yep. You just wanted someone to beat the fuck out of him, and I remember Wendell did it twice uh, to Butcher. Um, I don't remember. I don't think it was the same game. It could have been, but. He had that same look, so I I just wanted to see him destroy steps. <laughs> yeah, yeah. But it didn't happen. No. And I don't think they ever fucking went near it. he never never seen him again or played against him. I don't know. But you know, Wendell was great that way. The one thing I loved about Wendell was going to the games. He he if he scored a goal early and or you know, a couple points and the Leafs were either winning or getting blown out, he went cruising for it then. That's what I loved about him.
0: Heck, like, he enjoyed fighting. Sure. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, it, and I enjoyed watching. Oh, absolutely! And I, he was just going to run around and start hitting, and then and if and if you even came anywhere near him to debate the subject, the gloves oh, were yeah. off, and you were in one. It was he wasn't giving me the choice, right? So, oh yeah, it was tremendous, tremendous. And
1: he had a presence.
0: Guys were shit scared of him. Oh yeah. So yeah.
1: Well, that leads into my number two,
0: which it's is probably
1: one of my toughest sports moments of my life. So Wendell Clark, Bob Probert, this was their second fight. Yep. October 17th, 1987. So Clark had two good seasons, 85-86. Two, uh, 227 penalty minutes in 85, 271 in 86. He basically... You know, besides Rouse getting the best of them in in um, one fight in the second year, I'd say, I think he basically has had a pretty good one-loss record. Oh, yeah. But he he took a cross-check in the back against Chicago one game into the crossbar. And he was also having issues with his back from, you know, the way he played hockey for two years with his size. And this basically fight um you know the the worst part about the fight was it was right by the leaf bench and Probert got him in the spin cycle and was just teeing off on him Wendell went down and the worst thing is at the end Clark basically has his arms wrapped around Probert's leg like it, it was just horrible man like you know the look of the the least players on the bench like they could hardly watch it was just it was. It just. It wasn't Wendell Clark. You know what I mean? There was just a, a sad. I don't know. I can It's hard to explain. But I don't think I've been able to watch that fight until um, today. It, like I. I don't remember watching it ever. After that, I, it was devastating, man. And then that was his initial exodus. I think he played seventy games in the next three seasons because of his back. like... He just disappeared off the radar, you know, till he came back in the early nineties. But
0: well, yeah, so I don't know what your
1: take on it.
0: Well that's interesting. Well, first of all, like you said, their first fight in eighty six, um was 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 a was a fairly even fight, if not advantage Clark. It was a pretty good tilt. Yeah. That you know. put him on the map besides the Ben Wilson one. Exactly. And then um but yeah, and this one was just a complete one-sided pounding. But it was like, oh, w- w- like you said, when he was injured, all those because that was the thing, right? And I think people forget how how often how often Clark was hurt and the amount of games that he missed. Um, as a like, see uh, see outside uh, Saskatchewan, he's the hometown guy and he's our favorite and elite hockey in Canada and everything. So everyone was always, um, I don't know how to what's the as now as I'm saying this, how do I want to put this? Like no one like here in Saskatchewan, we'll put it this way, at the time because again this we're talking like no social media everything. It was just a local paper. Well the local Star Phoenix here, the local paper, was never gonna say anything bad about Wendell Clark. Ever. They're no. never going to. So in the Toronto where you were, like you're right in the heart of it, leaf country. What was the vibe about Clark when he started getting all the injuries? Well, it's weird because he, there was
1: that history with him, right, where, you know, I, I don't even like bringing it up because it fucking annoys the fuck out of me, but there was those fucking gay rumors, right? The the taller, he lived with taller Cranston, the bigger skater, and fucking people called him Wendy behind his back. I, I, I always said back in the day, you know, why don't you go tell him to his face what you think it'll make stupid comeback, right? You know, something fucking you say on Twitter now. But, I mean... How that rumor started, I don't know. But for the majority, for the real Leaf fans, you know, Wendell Clark would play if he had one leg, if he could. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it, the guy must have been in some, you know, his, he had real fucking, you know, an issue with his back. And I, I, I remember back in the day reading an interview with Chris Broadhurst. I think his name was their trainer. And he had to spend like three hours before the game, getting Wendell ready just to play a game. You know what I mean? Like the massaging, the this, the that. I mean, you know. Yeah. What, I, no one needs, I don't need to defend Wendell Clark as a man or as a tough guy, but I just, you know, these non-fans, oh, Wendy, he's always hurt. He's a fan. I It fucking drove me fucking crazy, man. But that was, you know, that's the way it goes. But anyway. Even in the, um, I think it was the 93 playoff series against Detroit when we beat them in seven games, Proby started that whole Wendy bullshit when we were down 2 nothing. We lost the first two games in Detroit, and he basically called Wendell out. And, um, you know, all the Leaf fans were like, fucking Clark won't fight Probert and this and that. You know, it's a fucking playoff game. What good is it Wendell Clark fighting Bob Probert? Like, seriously. So, I don't know. I don't know if that answered your question, but it was tough. It was really tough, man, as a, as a, a loyal Leaf fan who loved Wendell Clark. I, I, I wasn't confident he was going to come back. So,
0: but he did. He did, yeah.
1: Yeah, so, you know, he, and he actually, he fought Probert twice in 93 um, in the gardens and in the same game. And he did well on both fights.
0: Yeah.
1: I remember him, you know, ripping, putting Probert's shirt over his head. He got a couple of good shots. So, you know, he did well against Probert. I would say the four fights, you know, he won beat down by Probert. But the three, the, the three, I would give a slight edge. I'll probably get trash from this. But I'm going to go with a, a Wendell with a slight edge on all three.
0: Yeah, you could. Yeah. So. But uh, the, what, what, <laughs> what what'd you think of Wendell in the Detroit and the Chicago uniforms? Uh, uh,
1: yeah, I know. It's funny. I was looking at his
0: hockey DB
1: today randomly, and I I totally forgot he played in Tampa. And I looked at it in hockey DB, and the first and second leading scorers in Tampa that year was Darcy Tucker and Wendell Clark.
0: Yep. I think Tucker had 47 points and
1: Wendell had 46.
0: What, I think so. Wendell represented them in the All-Star game, if I remember correctly. Yeah.
1: yeah. Wendell was always a Cy Young Award winner, you know, 30 and 13. <laughs> you know, 30 goals, 30 and 13 assists. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, what, yeah. He scored 28 goals that year, something like that. Yeah. Oh, so. yeah.
0: Well, I don't think Wendell could pass the assault across the table, but, I mean, whatever. <laughs> he, <gotta> <laughs> Put it, just put it in. That's the main thing, and he could do that. So, but yeah, he wasn't setting well, anyone up. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of guys my age that Wendell Clark's their hero, man. Mm-hmm. He brought it every fucking night. I remember his first year in the league. He went to the All Star game, and his first shift, he fucking skated like from one side to the other. And I'm sure it was Mark Messier. And just fucking drilled Messi into the boards. And it was just like, you know, there was no fight. There's no hitting in an All-Star game. But that's the way he was, man.
0: Yeah, I can't remember. What's the story? I think it's Sather. Sather pulled him aside and told him, like, you gotta that's dial, right, yeah. Yeah, you got to dial it down or you're not going to be in the league for very long. And Wendell just kind of, you know, oh, yeah, yeah, sure, you know. And then, of course, Wendell's talking years later. He's like, yeah, I kind of should have listened to him. But, you know.
1: Well he he was uh he was he was had triumphs for the Canada team Canada, yeah, and I can't remember what year it was eighty eight or ninety one or something and uh he he was gonna make it, and then they they played the u s in a preseason in a pre in a exhibition game, and Wendell fought Chris nylon, and they say that that was his downfall. They were told not to get into it, you know, don't let you know what's Chris nyland doing on the u s team that just shows how bad they were back then, right. But um, yeah, Wendell Bit fought Chris Nyland, Apparently, got the bad beat the shit out of him, and Sailor said, "Sorry, man, we we can't trust you on
0: this team." So I never heard. I've never heard that story. That's wild. I yeah, didn't know that. yeah,
1: it's in his book. Yeah, yeah. I well, I I'll, read his I'll book send you. Yet. Yeah, yeah.
0: Uh, his book, shit, it's just watered down crap. Oh, I wow. wanted some good stories. But... It's like Domi's book is like that too. You know, it's like. You know, like, like uh, Rob Ray's book was kind of like that. It's like, even Sean Thornton's book was like that. It's like, yeah, like, they're okay. Like, Thornton's book was okay, but it was just like, I always want, like, some more OHL stories and some minor league stuff. And it's like, I mean, I get you're not going to talk about every chick you banged on the road. I'm not talking about that. But it's just like, get some fight stories and stuff. But it's like, these guys just don't want to get any on them, right? Like, they just want (laughs) to. They want to be Teflon and be looked at as good That's guys right. and they talk about their charity work and all this. They, they might give one little PG story and it's like, oh, but meanwhile, you know, if you sat down with beers with these guys, they no. can tell you stories for hours. Right. And it's like, why don't you make a book like that? I always respect the guys that come out and like their books are like that though. They just, just lay it out there. And just, you know,
1: I have a theory about that. I have a, th- well, besides my favorite hockey book, um, where a player is actually open and, and tells great stories is Sean Avery's book. I mean, I wasn't a big fan of Sean Avery, but you want to read a good, interesting book, this guy doesn't fucking hold back, man. He fucking just tells it like it is. Awesome book, man. And another good book is Brent, Brent Meyer's book. Yeah, um, That's a great book. But I always feel that the guys that need the money – are the guys that write better books. So, you yeah, know, Wendell, that, Wendell's I, I actually, done I never, well I, I never retirement. thought of it
0: that way. Yeah, you're probably right.
1: Yeah, yeah. And Domi's done well. You know, they've yeah. got money. But, like, Darren McCarty, he's another guy. His book was good. Yeah. You know, he's kind of fell off the rails. Probert's book was great. But Brent Meyer's book was amazing. So, I kind of, and even Rick Vibes' book. Like, I know, I'm not, who am I to say? I'm not their fucking accountants, but I know Rick Vibes kind of struggles and his book was actually very open and some great stories and uh i just think that you know if you if you're if you're successful in retirement why 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 do you want to sit and you know tell maybe stories that might offend teammates or whatever right so it's just all vanilla watered down shit
0: Well, yeah, well, because they want to come back to the alumni nights and play in the outdoor games. They don't want nobody wants heat in the locker room. I mean, I get it. I mean, I get it. I mean, I don't blame them. Especially if you have the money. Like, why? You know, like why? I get it. But like, yeah. But as just as a fan, from a selfish standpoint, it's like, yeah. Well, I want to get the dirt, right? So that's like what I always say Mm. with this podcast when I'm interviewing players. I always tell them like, okay, it's not TMZ. I get it, but you kind of got to give the listeners something here. Like, not everyone was a good guy. Oh, tough guy. Good dude. Good guy. Good guy. Okay, come on. (laughs) You can't just keep saying that. You got to give a something here. But it's amazing the guy, they just won't. Some guys will. Some guys don't care. But other guys will. And like I said, I'm not saying you're going to run the guy down in the Walmart parking lot if you see him, but... Don't tell me you liked everybody you played against, because I know you did. No, You know, it's okay right. to, you, you don't have to hate him 20 years later, but at the time, you did. It's okay to say that, you know, but some guys yeah. just will not do it, right? And it's like, uh, but at the same time, then I have to remember, it's not me saying it. It's not my voice. Well, I'm what... not the one that has to listen. I'm not the one that has to, I put it out there and have to live with it, right? So, it's like, I get it, so...
1: Sean Avery's book is incredible, but like Sean Avery doesn't give a fuck what anyone thinks of him. You know what I mean?
0: Well, yeah, it's because he's a jerk off. Yeah, <laughs> he ripped coaches,
1: teammates. Yeah. Fuck, he went after everybody. Well, and that's and, and that's, that's why, and that's that's why he was out shit. of the
0: and that's why he was out of the league and got traded how many times? Because his teammates didn't even like him, and the guy's a goof. No, but I mean, okay. would, he makes a good book. You know, I haven't read it, but I mean, I've somebody I've had a bunch of people tell me it was good. So it's yeah, like but I can't stand the guy. Although I liked watching him play. I like what he played because he's just like he'd start like he was entertaining, right? He'd start shit and everyone hated him. Like I like Barnaby too. I love guys like that, you know. Yeah. And, like you can they can you can say what you want about Barnaby and Avery. Those dudes fought. You you can say whatever you want, but they fought. Oh, you know. And like Barnaby fought like heavyweights. Right? I
1: wasn't a fan of Barnaby, but how could you fucking rip the guy? Man, he that guy was like he was game for anything, any size he fought. That guy was like a you know. Oh, he didn't yeah. care about pain.
0: Yeah, and the same thing with, like, Avery had a hundred and some fight. Like, he had a fight, like, if you average it out, I think he fought every fifth game. Like, he had a hundred and some, so it wasn't like, I mean, he wasn't fighting Tony Twist. I mean, nor should he have been, but, I mean, he'd fight, you know, and I'm like, so, you know, I mean, you could shit on Avery, but it's like, eh. He's, he it's
1: funny we're of... talking about both of them because they're, they've been in, a, like, a Twitter war for the last couple of years, mm-hmm. you know. Oh, Avery yeah. wants to fight Barnaby. Barnaby says, "I'll fight you back," and you know they're just, they just need to get it arranged. Oh, absolutely. but you know what I like about Avery? I watch his Instagram videos of him fucking ripping people for parking their cars illegally on the road. It's pretty funny, man.
0: <laughs> yeah. So yeah, yeah, but he doesn't. But just, that, that's, not su- not. that's not surprising that he would write a book like that because yeah, because there's a guy he doesn't care, right? So those yeah, no, like I you said, mean, those guys are going to be the guys that write the best books. Yeah. The ones yeah. with nothing to lose. I mean, yeah.
1: I mean, that's why he, you know, that he was suspended for commenting about, um, was it FNUF?
0: Yeah. Marrying his sloppy. Oh, well, yeah. Seconds. His ex-girlfriend.
1: Um, yeah. Tough I player. mean, yeah. when have you ever heard an NHL player, you know, say that in an interview in a dressing room? You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah well, it not on a microphone. I mean, that's,
0: I'm sure it gets said all the time, but not on live TV, you know. But, Yeah. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Oh, no, he's a he, uh, unique individual.
1: Oh, he fuck the funny thing is he fucking loves himself,
0: man. Oh yeah.
1: Fuck, it's hilarious. Like in his book talking about, you know, he dated Rachel Hunter, the girl that used to be married to Rod Stewart. Yeah. And, you know, you you can just like the way he goes on about that relationship, like he makes it out like, you know, Rod Stewart was so fucking jealous of him or something. I can't really remember name, but you know, Rod Stewart's banged fucking every blonde
0: from <laughs> yeah. fucking Yeah. <laughs> from, I, I can guarantee his from numbers to America Ron Avery's like, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I am sure he's not too I'm worried sure about Rod Stewart's it. fucking jealous of you. Yeah, exactly. Funny, but yeah, he funny. um yeah, that's pretty funny. I'm trying to think who I well I won't I'm not gonna say the name. I won't bury the guy. I now I can't remember who it was. I was I was talking to that played with Avery in junior. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I won't, I won't subscribe a name to it in case I'm wrong, but, uh, he was just telling me, I can't, he was just, oh, he hates Avery. Hated him and she, hated playing with him. He said he's just the biggest clown. And then later on, when they, he'd run into him in Toronto, like when Avery, cause this guy didn't play in the NHL, Put a couple years in the minors and then whatever, got on with life. Oh, he said, fuck, you would see Avery when Avery'd come to town with the Leafs. They ran. He ran into him at a bar or something like that. And Even Avery then was just like, yeah, so you couldn't fucking make it, eh? You know, just still chirping <laughs> him like 15 years later. He's like, oh, I just want to kick the shit out of him in the bar, right? It's just like, oh, come on, man. You know, yeah. but he's just like, yeah. But,
1: yeah, I'll, I'll give him his due, though, And He uh, he didn't back down. He, right, do you remember the game when the Leafs were playing the Rangers in the pregame warm-up and then he was getting Tucker going? Oh, yeah. And he, he, oh, God, I wanted to see fucking Tucker beat the shit out of him that day. But. Yeah. but. Anyway. Yes. Uh,
0: what are we at? Oh, number one. Right. Here we oh, are. Number my number
1: one. one fight. So, this fight uh, Shane Corson versus Eric Cairns, April 28, 2002. If my memory serves me correct, it was game six, first round Leafs Islanders in New York, and I'm going to be honest with you, today was the first time I've watched that fight since it happened. Uh, And we talked earlier. It was 20 years ago tomorrow. And this fight, sometimes you just have to let the other team have their moment. It was in New York. The, The Islander fans were absolutely unbelievable that night like I haven't heard an arena so loud they were up by two goals a minute and a half left and it's not that I like I love I like Shane Corson awesome hawk awesome guy awesome hockey player fought everybody but you know as a loyal Leaf fan who bleeds blue and white just watching your guy just get fucking annihilated was so hard I mean Cairns is like 6'7. His sleeve is rolled right up. His fist looks like the size of a fucking boxing glove. And I don't know what it was about Corson's hair, but every time Cairns hit him, like Cairns, uh, Corson's hair fl- flew up like fucking two feet. So it was making the punches look even harder. And I mean, he just beat the piss out of Corson, and that was so hard to watch. And what was worse is that fucking weasel Sean Bates is fighting Tucker right next to them by the boards. And I think Tucker, I think Bates got the best of Tucker, to be honest, if anyone's seen that fight. And then they both skate off the ice, the two of them, like, waving their hands. It was like watching the Hanson brothers skate off and slap shot with the fans going crazy. I mean, I-, I felt so bad for Shane Corson. Because, you know, Corson was just trying to, you know, it's game six, it's over. I'm going to fucking, you know, try and set some momentum for the next game. And, fucking man. That was hard to watch.
0: Well, and it's funny. I did not, like, I remember the fight, whatever, No. You know, well, why Shane Corson's fighting Eric Caron's? I have no idea. But it's a well, it just shows the balls on Corson. But it was like uh, the thing I didn't realize about that until I watched that clip today. And I watched the I it's funny because I watched the Islanders feed of it, it's like a four minute thing. And I watched it. Bates starts that whole thing because he, yeah. it's a blindside hit on Corson. He throws Corson's That's not right, watching, yeah. If there's The puck's yeah. nowhere around, not that I have a problem with any of this, but the puck's no. nowhere around Corson and Bates drills him. So Corson goes after Bates, but he kind of, like he cross-checks him and he's having words with him, but it looks like Bates doesn't want anything to do. Like, they're not going to fight. Like, it's not like Corson dropped his gloves or anything. He kind of cross-checks him and they're yapping and Corson's sort of making his way to the bench or like, you know, whatever. Well, Tucker comes in and starts kind of punching Bates, and they end up fighting.
1: Mm-hmm. So
0: then, of course, Karens comes over, and you can see Corson kind of starts it with him, actually. Yeah. And he, and he, he grabs did, yeah. Karens and rips his own helmet off, and they start fighting. Well, I laugh because, again, I'm watching the Islander feed. Well, the Islander feed's talking about how Tucker's spot-picking because he's fought Bates, and then, what is it, the game before he <laughs> fought uh I can't. I don't. I can't remember who on the Islanders he had fought earlier. It was like some. Oh, J- Blake, Jason Blake, or something. Jason Blake. So he's like yeah, all these non-fighters yeah. that Tucker's beaten on. I'm like, did you guys mi- completely miss the the cheap hit that Bates threw to start this whole thing? This is why the fight's happening because well, he threw you threw the shot on Corson, you know. But again, it's hey, let, you're up. You're up two, and it's a playoffs. So I don't. I don't blame Bates for throwing the hit. It's like, yeah, what the fuck, right? But listen,
1: you want to go on about dirty hit. That whole fucking series, Steve oh, yeah. Webb. Oh, yeah. Ran every Maple Leaf in sight from behind to the side with the puck, you know, the puck had gone fucking 10 seconds earlier. I mean, I have never seen a guy get under my skin like Steve Webb. And his face looked like a fucking roadmap in that series, man. Like, I, I got to hand it to him, man. He was a fucking warrior that series. Yeah, you was. know, he wouldn't fight Domi. Domi kept... I'm sure Domi kept trying to fight him. He wanted no part of Domi. But you know what? He was probably told by his coach, you know, you just do what you do, man. You're getting these guys going. But like I said, some days you just got to let a team have their moment. That was it. I, I, I've I never watched that fight for 20 years. I refused. We, went, we won the series two nights later, Game 7 at the ACC. So... You know, we we won the series, but fuck, man, what a moment for Cairns and uh, Bates! It was just like they they probably had the pick of the pick of the bunch in the bar that night.
0: Oh, guaranteed, yeah. But that was, uh, well, what a duel though, Corson and Tucker. I was. Uh, it's funny now. I always say when I when I've done this show over these last little while, um, and you go back and revisit things with older eyes. Yeah, I, I hated Corson. Growing up, I didn't like him at all. I didn't. I okay. don't have a favorite team or anything like that. I never gave a shit about teams or anything like that. I just never liked Corson but I don't know why. Mm-hmm. It's one of those things that it was like the Nylon thing. I hated Nylon my whole life until I watched yeah. that documentary, and it's like now I like him now. But it's like but yeah. I don't know why I didn't like him. I have no idea why I just didn't. But the Corson thing. Although, I will say, Corson tried to knee lift Karens after after the fight, too. That was kind of funny. But, uh, uh, but I'm like, yeah, but Corson and Tucker, man, what a duo. And it was like, uh, I went back, and it was uh, my friend Chris, old Corson27 from FC. The folks will remember. Chris, if you're out there listening, get a hold of me, man. been a long time. Um, he was a massive Corson fan. And I remember I used to just bug him about it, and he's like, "No, no, seriously, though." No. And he, he made these fight he made the Corson fight DVDs, and he sent them to me. And after watching it, it was like I got a whole new respect for the guy. It was like, uh, yeah, what, what a player! What a power forward.
1: Corson loved to fight.
0: Yeah, like was,
1: he was a good hockey player, but yes. he loved to fight. Like you could just tell. Like that guy loves fucking fighting, and what was I going to say? Uh, it just. The thing about that fight with with Cairns is, you know, with hockey helmets and punches just missing and stuff. I don't know, man. I've I just I this was one fight where it just seemed like Cairns was just landing them solid. Like his he, it was like a wrestling thing. Like his head was just snapping. You know, it was just uh, it was so tough to watch, but you know. You think that, the, you know, I'm sitting there feeling so bad for and but who knows, he might have went for a beer with fucking Karen's after that game, you never know, right?
0: Yeah, who knows, I mean, well, maybe at that time, maybe in the summer, I don't know, <laughs> right after, Did I, the playoffs I, back in the 90s, I don't think so. I yeah.
1: used to get so caught up in the emotion of it, like, I remember in 86, being at the Gardens night. Wendell fought uh, Tockett, it. and it was, um, it, it was, we, it was behind the bench, behind the net. It was like a minute and a half left, I think. Wasn't yeah,
0: it? No, it was an was overtime,
1: just... wasn't it? Wendell drilled Mark How Could have been. There was two all at the time. Yeah, yeah. And, I mean, that was a great fight. And I was so pumped. And I wanted, and I just fucking hated Talkit, You know, I was just like, fuck him. And Wendell, fucking. And, you know, people in the crowd are like, fucking talking. I'm like, fuck you. Wendell won that fucking fight. And, and I remember about 20 minutes after the game, walking out of Maple Leaf Gardens in the front lobby and looking to my left and there is Wendell Tockett, Peter Zezel, and I think it was Steve Thomas, all together talking to Peter Zezel's parents because when Wendell first came to Toronto, he lived with Zezel's parents uh, in Scarborough the first year and Tockett and Zezel were best friends on the Flyers and I'm just like, here I am, like, thinking, if I see that Rick talking after the game, I'm I'm going to fucking tell him how I feel. You know what I mean? How <laughs> dare he fight Wendell? And, you know, I'm fucking probably 19, 18 at the time. You know, like, what a fucking, fucking <laughs> spats. But that's the way I was. <laughs> but there I am. There's Wendell and talking. Like, fucking talking to Peter Zessel's mom and dad. And I'm just like, Here I am getting all worked up and these two are fucking together 20 minutes after the game. It's
0: like, find out Santa isn't real. What a letdown. Yeah,
1: Exactly. Thank you. That's exactly how I felt. You You wrestling's
0: not real? Damn it. (laughs) Roddy, Piper, and Hogan don't hate each other? Son of a bitch.
1: (laughs) I felt so cheated by Wendell. I was like, how could you do that? You know, fuck. Ugh. Uh, thank god i'm just a 50 year old miserable prick now
0: there you go well that that was a hell of a list man that was i was i was digging i want to thank you though for like yeah for coming up with this topic to go back and revisit those fights with something yeah
1: man yeah it was was a pleasure
0: yeah yeah no it was funny it was uh to go back and to rewatch them like i said you you remember them but you don't remember them but to me it was more it wasn't just a fight it was like Oh, you realize how bad some of these announcers are. Like, it's just like, oh, my God. Like, it's one thing, Hockey Night in Canada, yeah, Bob Jack had it. And Neil and them were a little biased and stuff. But, nah, they weren't that bad. But, oh, some of these home, like, oh, those Islander guys and they're, you know, or whatever. It's just like, <sighs> come on. Yeah. Like, you know, but. I know. Oh, but.
1: It's it like watching um, the minor league fights. I'm not talking, like, AHL, but, like, you know, the, the the league where the UHL maybe where the the announcers like some kid oh yeah doing volunteer work from college yeah and oh my god is this annoying one more left, one more left one more left, and you're like is he watching the same fight like what
0: <laughs> yeah. the fuck oh yeah some <laughs> some of them southern some of them southern pro league announcers yeah it's the college intern that yeah, yeah. he'll work for a you know a, a sandwich and you know a coke or whatever so. <laughs> He's doing the play-by-play and he's just losing his mind and yeah. Well, the, the way they call the game, I mean, it may as well be an inter-squad game. You don't even know who the other team is. They never talk. To I them. know. You know. Oh yeah, classic.
1: He's getting his 15 hours volunteer work in to get his fucking grade ten English credit.
0: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, <laughs> tremendous. Well, I was gonna. Yeah. Well, I, I know we've gone here for an hour, so I won't keep you for too much longer, but. Um, I know you were out and about on the scene uh, back in the day when we were talking about Corson uh, loving to fight and everything. I'm trying to I'm yeah. trying to relive some of the the old conversations that we had, but I can't remember now I'm getting them all mixed up. Was it you that told me? Were you there to witness the Shane Corson bar fight? Was that you? No,
1: that wasn't me. Oh. I know in Barrie he had a lot of fucking bar fights and he was from Barrie, but apparently it, the, the stories are legendary in Montreal on Crescent Street there, him, him and Kordick and Mike Lelore they were all rookies, and Mimeso, and I can't remember who else it was, but there was like Chelios, There was like five or six of them, and they were just fucking a nightmare to deal with. But, no, my my favorite story is um, John Kordick. He was my favorite all-time
0: fighter. And I was gonna you know, go yeah, to a, that was. I was say. Did you ever run into Cordic? Do you have any interactions yeah, with
1: him? Yeah, I got some great, couple of good stories. So,
0: okay.
1: I John Cor When John Cordick was on Montreal, I remember seeing him beat the fuck out of Rich Zemlach on yep. Quebec. Yep. They had brought him up to fight uh, Cordic and Cordic just beat the fucking piss out of him. And I think I, there was a nightclub next to the Maple Leaf Gardens, and we used to go in there after the Leaf games. It was called PM Toronto. And one Saturday night, it was like near the end of the night. It was like fucking, you know, one thirty in the morning. I was pissed. And it was kind of quiet, but I look over the corner, and there's fucking uh, John Kordick on his own. So I fucking go over there, and I, you know, I say, hi, how you doing, John? And he was like, so happy to talk, right? And um we were talking fighting and shit and I was uh saying who 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 do you hate the most in the NHL? And he was like, Oh fuck. He goes, Basil McRae. And I go, Oh, I fuck like I seriously hated Basil McRae. He was one of those guys that just like you wanted to see him get pummeled in a fight, but he just never ever like you couldn't get the best of him. I don't know what it was, but I I said to him, like, John, I fucking hate that guy. And I said, in fact, I think he played for Dallas at the time, maybe Quebec, but I said, um, I I said, Dallas is in town next week, and and John Kordick looks at me and he says, listen, if he comes into this bar after the game, can you just tell him I fucking hate him? And I was like, sure. (laughs) It was so weird seeing an NHL player tell me that. But um, a couple years later, he, he's dealt to the Leafs for uh, Russ Cornell And my um, best friend buys me a Cordic shirt for Christmas. 27, Cordic on the back with the Captain's C. <laughs> and it, the, the, the C was the, the funny part, right? You know. So, um, Cordic's on Toronto now. We're playing Quebec. It was a night he fought. Um, Oh, what's his name? He played for St. Louis and then Quebec. A blonde guy, he was a good fighter. Law. Um, he played for Boston too. Oh, oh Kimball's
0: name. Kimball.
1: Darren per- 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 Kimball. Yeah, yeah. So after the game, I'm in PM Toronto, and I'm sitting there with my buddy having a beer at a, a stand-up stool-like table, uh, the tall table, and my left shoulder taps and. I turned to my left and there's Cordic and cause my, I got my Cordic shirt on, right? Two cores light in his right hand. And he hands them both to me. And he's like, wow, man, I love your shirt. And I turned to my left to get the beers out of his hand. And he sees the sea, you know, and Daryl Sittler, right? Big captain of the Leafs number 27 and Cordic's the 27. And I swear to God, he fucking laughed for like 15 fucking minutes. It was so funny. He just found it hilarious. Oh, I always remember that name, man. It was hilarious.
0: Yeah, man. I, I was a huge Kordic fan. I love Kordic. What a sad story. Oh, I love I mean, him. Mean, what a sad story. And it was. Like, I know. You know. And, and, it, and you know what the real shame was with the thing. I mean, everybody looks back now and all oh, that was a brutal trade, Russ Kordic. yeah, you know, whatever. Everyone's a genius with hindsight. They also forget at the time you needed toughness back then. But Kordick actually. It's too bad he kind of you know he had all the uh, the uh, the issues and everything. But Kordick was a decent player. If they had just left he him was alone a good and player. let him play, right? Um, yeah,
1: he know. scored nine goals, and I think yes. it was his second season under Doug Carpenter. Like he actually was a good hockey player. And I mean, if you read his book, he was a standout defenseman in Portland.
0: Yeah, he's a WHO all star. Yeah, no, but was, um, he was a really good player. But he just got, he knew what. Yeah
1: he knew what buttered his bread and he, he yeah. fought in the NHL and you know, he had a tough go over with his dad. His dad was very hard on him for fighting. His dad was like this Croatian hardworking, you know, man with all these morals and he didn't think Kordik needed to fight. And, you know, I'm not, it's, like, it's not like I know him, but you know, from reading about it, you know, Hey, he struggled with that pressure from his dad telling him not to fight, you know, but you know, the guy was a fucking party animal, man. He loved the NHL, man. Yep. His first year in the league, they won the Cup, in Montreal in 86. He said he spent the whole playoff season in a fucking limo with fucking strippers. Yeah. Yeah. Because <laughs> he wasn't dressing for, the you know, 75% of the games.
0: Oh, the, the but greatest he, thing. Now, Kornick, there was a great interview. If you go back on the internet, there's some people have posted some of the interviews that Kordich had with like the local yeah. news in Toronto and stuff. Especially when he's on the outs with the coaches, and he just doesn't give a shit. Oh, you know, and you know he's just hi- hired in a friggin' draft's ass in half these interviews, right?
1: But, oh, I know.
0: And just like saying whatever, it's just like, oh man, it's funny oh, yeah. at the it's funny, but at the same time, it's kind of it's really sad too because you just watching the guy just self destruct, right? It's just like, oh man.
1: Uh, he was a coach's nightmare, man. He oh, really yeah. was. Yep. yeah. But but you know what? What an exciting fighter, and you know that Wendell Clark Cordic fight in Montreal, man. Oof. You know what? I mean, I'm just pro Wendell Clark, but Clark was doing well at the beginning,
0: but he hit Wendell with one left. Yep. Holy fuck. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, that was that was a vicious fight. And, yeah. Uh, but man, yeah, the least It was funny. I was kind of going through it. It was like. <laughs> yeah, the Leafs with some of their fight. Like we're, I was always a massive Baumgartner fan too. So I was, yeah. so, I was so happy when he came to Toronto. So we, you know, because again, we didn't have like the center ice package or satellite or anything. So got to at least see him on hockey night in Canada all the time. And you know, he's dropping Dean Malakak behind the net and shit. And oh and, yeah, but. You know. Fuck Malcock got he had
1: a tough game that that Didn't he? Someone else beat him up too.
0: <laughs> yeah, he did, yeah. I I still couldn't believe he got up after the bomb punch. I was like, wow. You
1: but know. uh my favorite leaf fighter of all time is Todd Gill. I don't I just loved him man. I mean I loved Wendell, I'm not don't get me wrong, but Todd, oh, Gill Todd Gill's awesome. was just such an awesome middleweight. Yep. And there's another guy, man, he loved to fight. He just was Fucking throw with both hands, doesn't matter who who the guy was, what size and he had some pretty good victories, man, in the NHL. Oh yeah, no. Gary Roberts, Jim nil Robert yep. Dirk.
0: Oh yeah, like really cool. Robin Bawa. That really cool fight with Churla, like when they're on the face off. Yeah. Yeah, and then yeah. Sudden, yeah. Yeah, it was uh no, I I'm, I'm a massive Todd Gill fan. He is awesome. Like I said, didn't do it a lot, but when he did it was it was memorable, you know, for sure.
1: Well, well, that's the thing. Like You know, you watch a Todd Gill fight back then, right? You know, he looks the guy square in the face, throws it both hands. Now these guys, you know, this whole standing to the side, head, head looking up, away from them, the jersey jabs. It's just like, fuck, give me a break, man. Oh, like, they got visors on.
0: Oh, like no, no one's throwing down the tube. It's like, no. Yeah. But, yeah, you watch, like you said, with, like, just you know, all, all the guys we're talking about tonight. Korick and Clark and Gill and Rouse and all of these guys would just yeah, I mean if you're gonna fight, fight. You know, like Corson exactly. you know, and Karen's. I mean, you know, he's 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 fighting the league monster, but he's still trying, you know, it wasn't like yeah, he, he wasn't exactly. seatbelting and he was going for Fucking it and burying his head in his chest. Yeah, yeah. You know, and it was just it was just a different time and yeah, it was uh it was wild, man. But yeah, but, like,
1: but if we had this discussion on Twitter, I know I know already everyone would be like, "Yeah, that's fucking bullshit. You think fighting fighting should be out of the game and, you know, they 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 want fucking the all-star game every night. Four four lines of 100-point players, no guys back-checking and
0: fucking well, they want, hitting and Yeah, they want video game hockey because those are the, exactly. those are the teams they created on their Xbox, right? So they yeah. think that's like real life. That's what it should be like. I said. Meanwhile, back in my Sega Genesis days, I was stacking up the meatballs so we could have fight after fight, <laughs> you know. But these kids are like, "Oh no, I I got to get like eight guys with a hundred points or something," you know. It's like, yeah, you know, like when you when they create a player, they're trying to score. When we created players, it was so they could hit and fight, you know. So it was just. Yeah. Well,
1: you know what? You know what Jennifer Baudrill says on Hockey in Canada. What are we trying to? What are we trying to play? What are we trying to do to our young young fans? You know. They can't oh, see this?
0: Yeah, everything. Yeah, meanwhile, it's like I always laugh with the with the whole notion that violence doesn't sell. It's like what world do you live in? It's like the more violent I'm like all the games this year or any the last few years that have had in the regular season that have had any buzz around them have been what? The revenge games. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And it's like and why? Because of the possibility of something happening. I mean, yeah, of course, violence sells. I'm like, this idea that it doesn't is ludicrous, you know.
1: I don't watch hockey anymore. I, I no, can't. I'll have, watch highlights on YouTube. Years. But but I, I, the last night, um, which was a good fight, Lucic fought yeah. the uh, guy on national. Uh, you know, Borowicki yeah, or whatever, yeah.
0: Yeah. It was. He,
1: um, that was a good tilt, man. Yeah. And they just both threw, you know. And That Borowicki, man, he's he's a fucking tough
0: little fucker, man. He is, you know. Yeah, fuck. in today's age, it, yeah, and you know, and Lucic I've been following since junior. Oh, you know, geez. and I I love Lucic. Oh you know? yeah, and it was, um, but yeah, it uh, yeah, it's just a different time. But like I said, well, like I said, when we were talking, right? I think we at least we grew up in the right era. We saw that we saw the good stuff anyway. You know? Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, so. can't complain.
0: So, well, man, I know uh, I know you gotta your uh your days are uh your, your your time off is short your work days are long so i i, I, I gotta get to bed my jim corn pillowcases waiting for me exactly there you go the jersey t- after the nice fight we had to make a pillowcase can't li- can't have that thing leaving the house anymore yeah <laughs> But I want to. I no, it's thank a you. pleasure to be on, man. i well, thank
1: you for uh, having me on. Well, finally, good talk hockey
0: with you, man. Yeah. Well, I'm going to have you back on because I know you have some Lindros stories I want to talk to you about too. So,
1: all right. That
0: was you that lived down the street from him, was it not?
1: No, he um, he played for the Generals. Yeah, one of my buddies in college hung out with him. So. Yeah, that's
0: what it was. I knew there was some he, connection uh, with you. Yes, yes.
1: Yeah, but we—I loved going to the generals' games with it, watching him because it, just like Wendel, uh, you know, Eric would get like two goals, three assists in the first period, or then he'd just go fucking headhunting. I fucking loved it, man. Oh,
0: he—well, here I—I I know you got to go, but I mean, just briefly. No, me. that's okay. But uh, with the Lindros thing, because um, again, you know, at that time, late '80s, early '90s, when he was in the OHL, I mean, we never saw him. We heard the myth. And you'd see the odd TSN segment on him, and you'd read in the Hawk, and he was all oh, the next one, and all this. And we've, I finally got to witness him in person at the World Juniors when it was in Saskatoon. And it was like yeah. he was a man amongst boys. It was like, oh, oh uh, it li- completely lived up to the hype, right? Of course, yeah. of course, my favorite guy on that team was Brad May because Brad May's a psycho. Yeah. And I loved uh, him, like you know, but you got, warrior, the, oh, yeah, and you got to see him in the OHL. Um, when, when, how, I mean, well, you were sort of describing it right then. How dominant was Lindros in the oh. OHL? Like it would just been ridiculous. His hockey fight video, like that,
1: it's about an hour, I think, but it is fucking unbelievable. His strength, oh, oh my yeah. god, and his hits, like fuck, it's it's not even fucking funny, man. Guys were shit scared of him.
0: Oh yeah. Well, because that was the thing. Like, the dude's 6'5, 230, and he's like 18 years old, just barreling through these guys in junior. Like, and that was the thing, too. And I think people sometimes forget Lindros was a mean. He's a motherfucker, man. Oh, like, he was mean. Absolutely. Yeah. He had a mean
1: streak. And, I mean, you remember the Barnaby incident where he kicked Barnaby skates out from under him? Yep. In the, the playoffs? I mean, he did what he had to do, man. Yeah. And, uh, you know, like I said, people might have a problem with that these days. But, you know, that's what you did, man, in the 80s. You know, Clark lying on a Bob Brook, beating the fuck out of him, kicking skate. You did what you had to do, man. We, we did it in the bars also. Fuck.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. And, I mean, well, I was going to ask you about Lindros. Because, yeah, like you said, you used to go to a lot of Oshawa games. Were you? Oh, he was awesome. Were you there when he fought Stoyanov? No, I wasn't. He's I, not the guy that played with the Canucks. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He was the first round pick of the Canucks. He was sort of like the Bob Probert of, but because that's the fight everyone talks about. It was like, guys, that was like the kingpin matchup of the Ontario Hockey League. Really? Well, I'm like, there's no video of it or anything, but it was just like, like, oh, because Stoyanov was supposed to be awesome back then, too. I've seen some of his stuff, and he was awesome in junior, but uh, It's funny.
1: It's not even on his fight video that I, I don't remember where I bought this fight video from, somewhere in the States, but he he had a couple junior fights on it, but that that's not on it.
0: No, there's no, there's barely any Lindros junior fights. There's a couple when the TSN used to do like the game of the week, and I mean, yeah, like Tony yeah. Yobb and yeah, like his fight with Tony Yobb Yeah, to
1: Chris Simon.
0: Yeah, like, but other than that, it's like, yeah. Like, I, don't, I can't remember how many fights he had. Like, I don't know. I, he probably had about 10 fights a year. Like, it wasn't like he was fighting 40 times or anything. But I think he had about 10 or 15 fights. But I know one of them was throwing off And everybody talked about that. But I've never... And I know he fought V too. I have a picture of that, but I've never seen the oh, fight. Oh, do you? Yeah, I have a, a picture from the newspaper of him fighting Bonvie in North Bay. But I've never seen the fight. I don't think it's out there. No way. But that'd been interesting, too, watching him fight Bonvie. Yeah.
1: I saw a couple of good Brett Lindros fights in Ontario, when I think Brett Brett played. Um, he played on a line with David Ling in King, for, in Kingston, and um, them two were a fucking piece of work, man. Holy shit! But if uh, he, he could fight Brett, he was fucking great.
0: Well, I think, yeah, he was, and I, and another thing—that's yeah, too bad with the head thing and and stuff like yeah. that. But he was a, he was a really solid junior player too. Like Brett yeah, Lindros well, was really good. I mean people yeah. you know, they kinda of make fun of him now or whatever, but I mean, no no, the guy was solid, man. Yeah.
1: He fought he fought
0: Eric Cairns in three
1: seasons yeah. by the Rangers and I think he fought Kosher. He fought Langdon and Paul Mc- Laws
0: and Langdon,
1: yes. Yeah. You know, Paul
0: Laws a beast. Yeah. Well, and like oh, I remember shit. I remember watching an interview with Eric and they were and he was saying that was the problem. He was telling Brett, like, why are you fighting these guys? Like, don't, because he's only like 19, right? He's like, you're not ready to fight these guys. Like, these guys are killers, man. But he's trying to make a name, right? And whatever. And it was just like, yeah. And I think he had had his bell rung in the one fight with Langdon or something. Then I think he ended up fighting Oz or whatever. And it got, it was worse after that. And it was just like, he was just fighting, he's just fighting heavyweights that he shouldn't have been fighting.
1: I mean, but back then, that's what you did, right? Like, you look at a Cam Neely, a Brendan Shanahan, uh, Brad May, you have to fight your first couple seasons. Wendell Clark, that's you, that's what you do, right?
0: Back then, yeah. Fuck. Well, especially when that, your, think when, that when that was your rep. That was your rep, and I and mean, I even mean, for him, it would be an, even harder with the last name, right? Now you're really yeah. gonna, now he's really gonna live up to shit, you know. And it's just like, you know, and he's so and the thing is, they're so big. I mean, it's one thing with you know, it's one thing with the guy six one two ten. All right, you know, whatever. But all of a sudden, the dude 240. Built like Zeus, it's like well, okay, well, you know, now you really got to fight, you know. So yeah, it was exactly. Too, it was just too bad. Well, was, well, with both of them, what happened? But I mean, with Brett especially, you know, with the yeah. career cut short that he had. But but it, but yeah, solid OHL player that I think people forget about.
1: He was,
0: yeah. But uh anyway, man, that's. Uh, I really appreciate you taking the time tonight to come no on. Problem, that was man. great, and we'll definitely yeah. have to do this again because I know you guys sure, stories for days, talking. and we'll. uh We'll t- we got more shit to talk about for sure. All right, my friend. Good talking to you. You too, man. Take it easy. All right. Take care, boss. See Thank you Thank you. All right. Bye.
1: And you people that don't like fighting, how many of you did you walk out and get a coffee while that was on?